Welcome back to the Penn State Newman Prayer Podcast. Uh, this is the third episode. We're going to be talking today about Eucharistic adoration, and I'm joined with Newman's very own Ian Staley. Um, Ian, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Hey, everyone. Um, I'm Ian. I'm going to be the uh, Newman Intramural Sports or yeah, Intramural Sports Coordinator. Um, fingers crossed that, that actually happens this year. Um, Amen. I am. A rising sophomore, yeah. Rising sophomore studying finance and economics. Um, just finished up my freshman year, and I was involved with him a lot, and I loved every bit of it. Um, and I'm really excited to be doing this podcast. Excited to have you on. So, yeah, as I mentioned before, we're going to be talking about Eucharistic adoration, which is uh, a very, very important part of our faith um, because it's more than just the act of you know, the hour of Eucharistic adoration. It's, this podcast will be kind of a broader discussion about um, the Eucharist as well, which is, of course, the source and summit of our faith. Um, but it'll be looked at through the lens of, of adoration. And um, so, yeah. So I guess, I guess to start, if you want to just uh, give a, a brief overview about what, what adoration is, um, just for, for people who, who might not have much experience with it. Yeah, sure. So adoration is basically a time when the faithful are given the opportunity to worship God in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament or the Eucharist. Um, And that last part there is what makes it so special. It's that it's in the presence of the Eucharist. Um, And if I'm not mistaken, um, adoration is the only time when we as lay people are exposed to the Blessed Sacrament um, outside of Mass, which we obviously hold uh, to very high regard. Um, so yeah, that's what makes it so special. Um, and it's, it's usually made up of silent prayer, although some people, you know, do different things with it. You know, there's praise and worship and all that. Um, and so the Eucharist can either be in the tabernacle where you can't see it, or it can be exposed where obviously you can see it. And when it's exposed, it's in this little thing called monstrance. It's, it's like beautifully decorated little stand with a clear circle in the middle. Uh, where you can see the Eucharist. Um, and honestly, when I was thinking about how to describe this, I like the harder I thought about it, the more I realized there's really not much to it. Um, it it's, right. it's really what it is. It's, it's being in the physical presence of Jesus Christ and being able to be with him. Um, and obviously, you know, just putting it like that, it might not sound like much, but I think that the simplicity of that kind of reveals its true value to us as Catholics and when we're practicing our faith because um, there's not many places where we can just sit in silence in the physical presence of Christ, but that's what adoration uh, gives us the opportunity to do. Absolutely. So I guess if you could go into a little bit about just your experience with with adoration and, and how it's been able to show you show you God and show you um, be able to help you grow in your faith. Yeah, so I'll I'll kind of just start from the beginning. I didn't really know what adoration was um, growing up. I never really heard of it. Um, never got the opportunity to partake in it. Um, up until high school, um, I went to an excellent Catholic high school. Um, that and in terms of giving the students the opportunity to growing their faith in different ways. Um, and adoration was one of those, like after mass, when we had school-wide mass, um, the rest of the day in the chapel, we would have 
the sacrament exposed on the altar and we'd be able to go in whenever we had the opportunity, whether it's like during our lunch period or sometimes our religion classes would spend the day in there. Um, and we'd just be able to sit and spend time with Christ in adoration. Um, so that helped a lot um, in terms of my appreciation for adoration. And then during my freshman year, um, I went on a retreat and we had adoration our first night. And so around 8.30, we went in, um, we went into adoration. Um, everybody was sitting or kneeling, um, just praying, being silent. Um, you know, they had confession offering, which is another common thing um, in adoration. Usually there's a priest there um, offering confessions. Um, and I was just praying and I kept finding more and more things to pray about. And um, quite frankly, that's a pretty easy thing to do in adoration because, um, you know, it's silent and it's a perfect time for reflection and all that. Um, and I was praying for all these people. I was praying with friends um, and then I, I left and some of the directors for the retreat were there. And I asked them, I was like, all right, what's next? What are we doing? And they said, well, everybody's gone to bed. It's like 1145. And I was shocked. I thought that I'd been in the chapel for maybe an hour, um, yeah. but it had been through the whole night. But, and I, I didn't have the slightest feeling like, oh, I've missed out on time with my friends or anything, or, you know, all the food's gone, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I felt lucky. I was like, man, I just got to spend three hours kneeling before Christ really um, yeah and so that was one of the most formative experiences of my life as a Catholic um, and since then my appreciation for it has has only grown um, throughout the rest of high school and then um, even up at Penn State um, having adoration in the meditation chapel has been really cool I actually just want to mention this like it, it's it's really neat having a meditation chapel because it's right off of a pretty busy spot on campus, yeah. uh, by the library there. And being able to just step into the meditation chapel, it's like everything just goes away. Like you can hear a little bit of the bustle outside, but um, just sitting there in adoration, it just takes everything away and your soul focuses on the Eucharist. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that chapel. That chapel is very very nice for that. You can you can see out the window too. Yeah, exactly. Um, kind of faintly, some some people moving around and just the busyness. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I wanted to I wanted to touch a little bit on how you said you can just lose track of time and just sit and reflect. Um, because the adoration, really, what it is, you're just sitting there and you don't have. Sometimes I do when I go to adoration, kind of have an agenda, and those tend to be the times that I. Um, at least get what I feel like the least out of the time um, because we shouldn't be going to God with with like an agenda about what we want from him um, because because the way he speaks to us is when we have silence in our in our hearts sometimes that's when there's silence in you know outside silence like physical I guess audible silence um, but silence in our hearts and and just being able to turn over to God, say, "Hey, um, have my thoughts be your thoughts," and just I'm acknowledging who you are, um, mm -hmm. and then acknowledge, please acknowledge for me, like who I am, and and show me who I am, mm -hmm. um, and and those are some of the times that you can 
you can really learn so much about yourself and learn so much about God when you just sit. And I think that's for me, the, 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 the most sure proof that, well, the second most sure proof that the Eucharist is the body, blood, soul, and divinity mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ. Um, the first, the first, the most, the most convincing part is that, you know, God says so in the Bible and obviously what God says he means. Um, but other than that, yeah, no, it's, you go into the chapel and you're not just in an empty room with a piece of bread and it's, um, at least for me, it's been going from adoration to mass or mass to adoration. The two really, really fit in really well because they're both the Eucharist. The mass is about the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, if you, if you would want to, if you could touch on, on briefly the, the adoration within the mass. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know all the, all the details and the fancy terms and everything, but I believe when the, when the priest consecrates the host um, and he says, Jesus said at the last supper, he lifts it up. Um, and we just have a, a brief moment of silence when we're kneeling. Um, and like I said before, that's kind of just like a, a, a snippet of what adoration is. Adoration is basically that moment, but drawn out for basically as long as, as the, the sacrament is there. Um, right. You just, you just have a second. Um, for me personally, at least in mass, I'm like, that's when the sacrifice is being made. It's, it's, um, it's humbling. I would say, um, to mm-hmm. just be sitting there and like, wow, this is, this is like real. And I'm on my knees in front of you and like, what a, what an amazing sacrifice. And so that, that kind of spills over into adoration a little bit. It's just like a long version of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so. I think I think that moment during mass. That's personally, um, if not my favorite part of the mass, one of my favorite parts of the mass, because it is just like, whoa, and just seeing the priest lift up the consecrated host, um, and just just acknowledging my Lord and my God, um, and and when I have that mindset going into adoration, it's it's very powerful, and yeah. and and vice versa. When I've been in adoration and just been like admiring um, Jesus in the, in the Eucharist, bring it into Mass, it's like I, I can actually like receive that. So, with that, we'll get into the next part of the podcast, which is going to be talking about a few places in the Gospels that, that Jesus kind of points us towards adoration and, and points us towards sitting with Him. Um, I'm, I'm not going to talk about John chapter 6, the Bread of Life discourse. Although I highly encourage all of you to read that, um, even if you've read it 10 or 15 times, read that again, because it's, it's such a, a great testimony for the Eucharist, because he's, he's telling us um, about the Eucharist. Um, but we're not going to talk about that today. Um, so the, but the first one we're going to talk about is, the, is when Jesus uh, encounters Martha and Mary and what he, what he tells them. So even if you want to read that one. Yeah, sure. So this is from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. And it reads, Now as they went on their way, he entered a certain village, where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, 
Lord, do not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself. Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. So it's a, it's a neat little passage there. Um, and when I was looking over this, there was one thing that kind of stuck out to me that I found was important um, in terms of adoration for our appreciation of um, what what happens in adoration. And it was the use of the word distracted, which might be looked over pretty easily in this passage, but it's used twice. First in verse 40, when it says that Martha was, distract, was distracted by her many tasks. And then again in the next verse, when Jesus says, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. And I thought about this, and I, I, I realized that it doesn't say that she's working on her other tasks or she's busy with many things. It says that she's distracted. And I think that what that's telling us is that she, had, she basically had two options, keep working on her tasks or listen to Jesus. And she was focused on her distractions. And her focus was meant to be on Jesus. Because when you're given the opportunity to, to sit down and listen to Jesus like Mary was doing, um, you, you don't squander that opportunity um, because there's there's nothing um, better in our faith, really, than to be in the presence of the Eucharist. Um, and obviously, that's that's what adoration is. So I think this, this passage draws a nice little parallel between our choices of whether or not to um, take advantage of the opportunities we have. Yeah. And, and it never says anything that what Martha was doing was bad. Yeah. It never said. And it would just be like, I guess if, okay, I want to study maybe, but um, if I if I study for three and a half hours or I could study for three hours and spend a half an hour with Jesus, uh, if, if that's the opportunity, or if you can sleep for an extra hour or wake up early. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, so, so it's, and to me, it speaks a little bit about mission because we obviously have, have a mission as Christians and you know, Martha, Martha could have been, could have been doing things. She could have been preparing the dinner. She could have been washing, washing clothes, whatever she, she was doing. It never says it was bad, obviously. Um, and in her mind, she was probably serving. She was, uh, she was serving Jesus who was in, who was in the home. Mm-hmm. Um, but even for us, like it's important that we don't just, Talk. We just don't just think about like okay, I want to uh, make disciples. I want to I want to make disciples out of out of these people that I know. I want to you know help the poor. I want to do these things, um, which are all good. But the the main thing that Jesus wants us to do is be with Him, and everything else will flow from that. Um, because I'm sure I'm sure if Martha had just sat with sat with Jesus and said, "Hey, could you just like." They'll perform a little miracle and like complete what I have to do. I'm sure he could have, he could have, uh, he definitely could have. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, maybe he would have done that. Um, so yeah. And then I guess the second one would be the, um, the road to Emmaus, mm-hmm. um, when he encounters the two disciples after, after his death. Yeah. So I'll, I'll read through this one also. This is from Luke chapter 24. 24 verses 30 through 35. 
When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the script to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had made known to them in the breaking of the bread. And so, Owen, I don't know about you, but when I read this, I the thing that popped out to me was how they seemed um, excited. Like, the, the kind of tone of the passage changed um, when they realized who was in front of them. Um, mm. Their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. Um, and within that same hour, they, they traveled to Jerusalem to spread um, what they found to be good news to um, the eleven. And I think that, that sets a good model for us and um, how we should um, face the opportunity that we have to spend time with Jesus in adoration. It's not just, you know, sitting there, our thoughts kind of drifting off and being bored in the silence. It's, wow, this is so amazing that I get the chance to you know, be with Jesus physically Um and get to spend time with him. Um, and I think that's something that we can kind of work on ourselves and being excited about that kind of stuff. Yeah. They immediately wanted to tell other people about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also, that's, yeah, that's, I'm happy you said that. And it's also with specifically the breaking of the bread. They didn't, when he was walking with them, he, they were, you know, they were, Kind of in in a better mood is okay. Yeah, this guy's really this guy really knows his stuff. But they didn't recognize him until they sat with him at the breaking of the bread, and they didn't recognize him until you know they had that that experience with the bread of life. Um, and and obviously we have that during mass, and we can also have that sitting with with the bread of life and allowing our eyes to be opened as well and like you said yeah just being being excited about that it's not it's not it's not like a somber it's not like a somber moment mm-hmm. um when you're sitting there it's not just like i'm gonna sit there and be bored for an hour mm-hmm. even though there's the silence so yeah um and then the, the the final one is the agony in the garden um and i guess i guess i can i can read that one and, and talk briefly about it so this is from Mark chapter 14, um, the one that I'm specifically reading from. Then they came to a place called, called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took with him Peter, James, and John, and began to be troubled and distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is sorrowful even to death. Remain here and keep watch. He advanced a little and fell to the ground and prayed, prayed that if it would be possible, the hour might pass by him. He said, Abba, Father. All things are possible to you. Take this cup away from me, but not what I will, but what you will. When he returned, he found them asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray that you might not go under the, that you may not undergo the test. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Withdrawing again, he prayed, saying the same thing. Then he returned once more and found them asleep, for they could not keep their eyes open, 
and did not know to, did not know what to answer him. He returned a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is to be handed over to sinners. Get up, let us go. See, my betrayer is at hand. Um, so I had I kind of had three three things that I took away from this. The one is that he calls he calls Peter Simon, um, which is his name before he met Jesus, and he was called Peter the Rock. Um, so in this moment, Peter isn't the Rock. He is the Rock, but he's not acting like the Rock because he's he's asleep. He doesn't want to spend time with Jesus. He doesn't want to even just sit there with him. Um, and of course, this is the last time that he actually is with Jesus before he before the passion. He's not there. He goes obviously to the to the temple um, or to the courtyard, but he doesn't actually talk to Jesus. He's not actually like right there next to him. Obviously, he denies him, um, and he's not there at the foot of the cross. So this is his last moment with Jesus before the passion, and. Um, he was asleep and he, he didn't have, the flesh was too weak. And, um, obviously that's like a, a physical, a physical thing. Um, but Jesus is saying like the spirit is strong, but the flesh is weak and, and you need to like focus more on the spirit. You need to nourish the spirit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and adoration is is a great way to do that. Be like kind of get past the the physical idea that this is a piece of bread, um, that it originally was a piece of bread, and and realize that the spirit is strong, and the Holy Spirit um, has come into this this host to make it the body and blood of Jesus. Um, and then and then the other thing is um, the other thing is that. At the end, he says, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. Um, the hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is to be handed over to sinners. So he's saying, okay, you had your chance, um, but I'm not going to like sit here all day waiting for you um, to wake up. And it was like, you know, the time has come. Obviously, we don't know the time or the hour of, you know, the end of times or when, when we are called, are called home and... And it's always just, it's always good to be putting ourselves in the presence of God and not turning a, a blind eye to him or falling asleep on him, literally or figuratively. Um, and that goes past even, even adoration. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And then, and then the final thing is that um, he, he tells them, he tells him to pray that he doesn't undergo the test. And I was kind of reflecting and I didn't really, I don't really have an answer to this. Um, but it's kind of just a, a thing I thought about the other day when I, or it was probably, I think it was last week, uh, I was reading this and, and I was thinking if, if Peter had stayed awake during, during the agony in the garden, if he had stayed awake, he had sat right next to the Lord. Um, he had, he had been praying with him. Would he have denied Jesus? And like I said, I don't know the answer to this, but, um, when he's saying pray that you do not undergo the test, um, he's also saying just like pray that when pray that when the test comes, that you that you're strong enough that you're united to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of being united to Jesus's sacred heart, uh, Peter makes the decision, or I guess Peter's Peter's flesh makes the decision that 
he's going to stay asleep. He's not going to be with him in this moment. Um, and, you know, he could have been maybe if if he had sat next to him while he prayed, maybe he would have been on the cross next to him, which is obviously what he what he should have what he should have done. If mm-hmm. if that was what it had to come to between that or deny deny the Lord, so yeah, I guess with with adoration, just pray that you do not undergo the test. Um, pray that when the moment comes to to either show your faith or to to deny it, that you that you are strong and that you that you hold fast to your beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just just unite yourself to Jesus, and that's and that's the main thing with that I wanted to do this podcast um, is just to encourage people to spend time with, with the Eucharistic Lord um, and to, to understand, to spend time because when you spend time, you can really understand what, understand the mysteries. Um, it's the, the study, a study has shown that 70% of Catholics that go to mass every, every Sunday um, don't actually believe that the host becomes the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus and a great way to combat co- combat that um, is to to practice it. <laughs> you know, yeah. sit sit with sit with him in adoration. And even if you even if you're looking at it, even if you're looking at the host and thinking it's bread, um, be honest with him. Tell him that, and and allow him to transform your mind um, and make the spirit strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, whether oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was to say whether you're. Uh, a lifelong Catholic who is struggling to grasp the true presence, or if you're a, a new newer Catholic who is trying to gain some knowledge about it and kind of get a feel for what it's like, adoration can provide both of those experiences that can um, do wonders for your life as a Catholic. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I guess I guess at the end of this podcast, I just like to extend sort of an an invitation to you all. Um, If you're not going to adoration um, once a week, and if it's, if it is possible to go to adoration once a week, um, I'm I'm lucky enough here to have a perpetual adoration chapel about 15 minutes from my house, um, which has been such a blessing this summer. Um, I understand not everyone, unfortunately has access to that, but um, if you do and, and at school, um, go go once a week to adoration. Spend spend one hour a week with with the Lord. And if you already do that, or you want to spend more, um, you know it can never be it can never be too much. Um, so yeah, I'd I'd like to extend that extend that invitation or challenge or you know whatever whatever you you take that as. Um, yeah, but take it to heart and take it to prayer. And yeah. So I guess, I guess that's all. That's all I had. Unless you wanted to add anything else about adoration. Uh, I was just going to say that if my sources are correct, adoration also played a significant part in the conversion of our namesake, New Saint uh, John Henry Newman. Um, it played a big part in his conversion from Anglicanism to the Catholic faith. So if you needed another reason to. Uh, hit up the meditation chapel on Fridays. There's your reason. Well, I didn't know that actually. Thanks for yeah. thanks for adding that in. Saint John Henry Newman. Pray for us. All right. Awesome.
Um, well, we'll just close. We'll just close in in the Our Father. Um, I guess I'm. I realized just now that I forgot to open with it, but um, we'll pray now that that uh, the Lord was was with us and that the Lord continues to be with us the rest of this summer and as we go back to school. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, give us this day our daily bread, and open our eyes to to the bread of life that is your Son. Help us to understand and to to grow, um, grow in our faith with the, the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, um, and to to always continue to grow in love for for Christ in the Eucharist. Pray and ask these things in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and I wish you uh, a blessed summer, and I'll see you in a few weeks. And I'll see everyone, all of you guys in a few weeks as well. I'm really yeah, excited. Can't wait to be back on campus. Thanks for having me on.